today on Broadway for Tuesday, January 7th, 2020. I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, this is the first time you and I have been on a show in the new year. So, happy new year, officially and publicly. In the 2-0. In the 2-0. I feel like, you know, this is 2020. Uh, How is the year treating you so far? Uh... Still alive. A whole seven days in. So that's that's lots of plus. Still alive. And let's talk about our boy. The uh the boy from the Midwest. The boy named Tamanini. The boy named Tamanini. The boy named Tamanini do Taking his mom out for Christmas. I know. Son of the year. And it's only seven days in. He's already won the award. He's he's, he's, in fact high up on the decade chart. (laughs) (laughs) Waste no time. Yeah. Yeah. Put us all to shame. It's true. It always happens. But, you know, uh, seven days in, you know what we didn't leave behind in 2019? That would be Patreon, because that is eternal. You can head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio or broadwayradio.com slash patreon. Throw some money our way if you have any to spare after what I'm sure was a very costly holiday season. It was for me. But, you know, thanks to your generosity and love, we're still here in 2020, which, you know, you're alive and we're alive. Yeah. I mean, the uh, the support that we got from listeners through Patreon.com has brought us into 2020 and uh, wouldn't have happened without the good folks who, very grateful. who do that every month. We really appreciate it. So let's uh, get into the news. You and Matt touched upon it last night, but uh, the 77th Annual Golden Globe Award winners have been announced. Yes. Yeah, we were recording as the ceremony was happening, and uh, I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge had just won what ended up being her first of two awards on the night, because yes, on Sunday night, the 77th annual Golden Globes were presented. Several stage favorites took home statuettes for their work on screen in the past year. As I said, Phoebe Waller-Bridge took home two awards, one for Best Performance by an Actress in a Television Series Musical or Comedy, and one for Best Television Series Musical or Comedy for the brilliant Fleabag. Sir Elton John and his longtime songwriting partner Bernie Taupin won the award for Best Original Song Motion Picture for Rocket Man's I'm Gonna Love Me Again. The duo was up against other theater favorites, including Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez for Frozen 2, Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, and Andrew Lloyd Webber for Cats. The Great Society star Brian Cox won in his category Best Performance by an actor in a television series drama for his role as the Roy Patriarch in HBO's Succession. Additionally, Tony-winning director Sam Mendes won the Best Director Motion Picture Award for his 1917, which I believe opens this week. And Michelle Williams won the Best Performance by an Actress in a Limited Series or a Motion Picture Made for Television for her work on Fosse Verdon. Lots of love for the Cabaret family there. Also notable, Renee Zellweger won her first Golden Globe, and I think she said 17 years for her portrayal of Judy Garland and Judy, winning Best Actress in a Motion Picture Drama. 
Aquafina, who will star in the upcoming film adaptation of The Prom, won Best Actress in a Motion Picture Comedy for The Farewell, and winning Best Animated Feature was Missing Link, which featured the voice talents of once and future Broadway star Hugh Jackman. So a big night for Broadway stars and Broadway-adjacent stars, James. Many congratulations, of course, to the winners. Did you watch the ceremony at all this year? No, similar to what you and Matt were talking about, I uh, my not my a, interest not a Globes in fan. my interest in Golden Globes <laughs> has waned. Uh, I ended up watching everything after editing, which well, was maybe about an hour left, and I can say I wasn't extremely impressed. Well, uh, you know, the thing now with most of these things, uh, which applies to most things except for the Tony Awards for me, mm. is that. Uh, I just watched the clips afterwards. The Michelle Williams That's very speech. Fair. Oh, so Michelle, good. Some great speeches were happening there. If you haven't listened, if if you are like Matt and James and I and try and skip as much of award shows as possible, if you haven't listened to or read Michelle Williams' speech from Sunday night, please do. And the difference between the Hollywood community and the Broadway community can be summed up in the sentence that you said before. Uh-huh. Tony-winning director Sam Mendes won Best Director Motion Picture Award for his 1917, that's the name of the film, which opens yeah. this week. So yeah. <laughs> it hasn't opened we have, yet. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah. it has won the award. And what would what would the Tony several, Awards be like? That? Several awards, yeah. Would, would that be most uh, efficient producing if you decided to if you won the Tony Award, then you'd open up your your musical? Oh, Scott Scott Rudin would have so much oh, yeah. more money and awards, and yeah. don't want that. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that would that would be very strange. I honestly, I you know, I covered the whole. Or breadth of stage and screen, so that's it, it's incredibly strange. And I think I, I mean I can't say anything because I haven't yeah. seen the film like the rest exactly. of the country. So I can't say if it was deserving or not. It's hard to be someone who's both on the uh, critical journalistic side of things versus the viewer side because the journalistic side is like. Yeah, that happens when the viewer side is, but I want to see it. Like, I want to see it, and one, I'm having watched these award shows and not be yelling at my screen because I believe Knives Out and Parasite should have won everything. (laughs) I can't say anything because I haven't seen 1917. Maybe it's, maybe it is the best film of the year. You, You never know. Find out in a week. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Find out (laughs) after it has won. So, um, Uh, have you spent any time out in the in the cultural phenomenon that is Hollywood? Uh, no, in physical Hollywood. Yeah, you know, uh, out there for meetings or lunches or dinners. I or things have like that. never made it to the West Coast. Really? I'm sure. I'm sure it will. Uh, a day will come soon. It is in the plans. This is why we need a Broadway radio private jet. The Broadway radio private jet is warming up <laughs> in Cedarburg Airport as we speak. Oh, thank God. Yes, yeah. good. Um, but you know, it's it's very much reminiscent of uh, of a film that hasn't opened yet winning an award because <laughs> they you know if you have uh, the hot restaurants and the hot uh, clubs and things like that um, yeah. you know restaurants that you need reservations in order to walk in the door that yes. but the restaurant will have an unpublished phone number 
So correct. You know, it, it's it's one of those things. It's or a very strange, like, very strange like the, thing. Like the secret menu. Yes. On the opposite side of things. Oh, the in- it's, best. it's either the reservation, the restaurant, the high-end restaurants with the uh, reservations you need, or the fast food restaurants with the secret menus, and there's no in yeah. between. Do you order <laughs> off the menu when, at, at normal places? Do you order off the menu or on the menu? or? Uh, oh, uh, on the menu. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm not savvy enough for that yet. I'll, uh, I'll get there. I'll get there eventually. If I'm going to a restaurant that is so exclusive that I have to make res- reservations far in advance, I'm probably spending an absurd amount of money anyway. No boo. Stone Barn. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Blue Hill, Stone <laughs> Barn. Uh, so let's uh, move forward into, uh, let's talk for a, a minute or so about our sponsor for this week, uh, Ooh, ExpressVPN. Yes. So, uh, you and Matt covered some of the basics yesterday, but I wanted to go a little bit deeper into it. So do you know what a VPN is, Ashley? Uh, not well enough to explain uh, it for a public audience. So a VPN is an acronym for Virtual Private Network, VPN. And uh, you, as a, as, a, uh, free, as a freelancer, do you ever like uh, go to the Starbucks or some other place to uh, camp out and do a little bit of work oh, on your laptop? Oh, about 90% of the time, yes. So uh, did you know that when you connect to the Starbucks Wi-Fi, they see everything that you are doing? Everything. Big brothers, big brothers, always watching. They can see everything that big you're brother, doing. Big brother, big brother is Starbucks, or in my case, Think Coffee. Oh, Think Coffee. Mm. Love Think Coffee. Very nice. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, if you want to prevent uh, Big Brother from watching what you're doing, and you install ExpressVPN on your on your laptop, your Mac, or Windows, or your iPad, or your iPhone, or your Android device, any any sort of thing, you can express. You can install ExpressVPN. And it will encrypt everything, so all they will see is gibberish if they're snooping the network. Love it. So a VPN is really important for your privacy and to keep your personal details personal, um, and make sure that you uh, don't do don't do that. As Matt pointed out yesterday, if in fact you are in the U.S. and you wanted to watch perhaps the BBC, yes, uh, you which can... I am very much a fan of. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the BBC is, is IP restricted. So they, the BBC knows if you're using an IP address from within the UK. Uh, I was watching. And so if you use an ExpressVPN, you can watch the BBC from anywhere in the world. And vice versa. If you're Love one that. of our listeners from Australia or, or from uh, London or the EU or somewhere other than in the United States and want to watch, uh, the uh, Katrina Lenk Sondheim special uh, on New Year's Eve on PBS. Which of course you do. Which of course you do. You do want to yes. watch that. You would need ExpressVPN to get into the U.S. Uh, IP schema so that you could see that. So check out ExpressVPN. Um, if you want to visit our special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Broadway, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Please support Broadway Radio. Uh, watch what you want and That's protect sweet. yourself at expressvpn.com slash Broadway. That's exciting. Yeah, it's really important. And uh, if you're, in fact, if you are a Patreon supporter and you have questions, 
about ExpressVPN <laughs> or any sort of technical type of questions, you know, hit me up. I, I'll be more responsive to our uh, to, to, to our Patreon folks. <laughs> if you're li- not, get, a li- get them a little <laughs> tech support. You know, if you're not a Patreon supporter. Get out and no, ask. Exactly. Become a pa- become a Patreon supporter. It's the exactly. least expensive technical support you'll ever get. That's very yes, true. Exactly. And you don't have to wait on hold for like three hours. Exactly. So. James Marino is readily available <laughs> for all your questions. Tell us about <laughs> last week's grosses. Yeah, coming off the big Christmas week, James, the numbers dipped a little bit, as to be expected, though one show continues to make headlines. Broadway shows brought in $43,095,641 during the week ending January 5th, down 23% from the Christmas influx, but up 15% from this time last year. The biggest story of the week comes from the Winter Garden Theater, where Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice has set another house record. In its first string of performances in the new decade, the show grossed $1,435,799, the highest for a seven-performance week at the house. You'll recall this totals three house records broken throughout the month of December, initially breaking the eight-performance and nine-performance records on December 1st and December 29th. All in all, the show brought in nearly 125% of its gross potential. At the top of the list for earnings, Hamilton, of course, led the pack as the only show above $3 million at $3,194,411, with 21 other shows above the $1 million mark, from The Lion King at $2.49 million down to Come From Away at $1.07 million. That includes the Scott Rudin-produced West Side Story, which continues its long preview run, pulling in $1,730,917, or 100.49% of its gross potential. At the bottom of the pack is, unsurprisingly, My Name is Lucy Barton at the Friedman, because it played only one preview performance. (laughs) Also at the bottom were the other two shows starting previews, Grand Horizons and A Soldier's Play. From there, The Inheritance continues to struggle, bringing in only $409,320, just under 36% of its gross potential. And very expectedly, A Christmas Carol had the biggest dip of 18.62%, down to $418,556. So, James, another big week for Beetlejuice, which simultaneously delightful and frustrating as the show enters, enters its final six months on Broadway. The box office news also came on the same day that The Music Man officially announced it will be moving into the Winter Garden after Beetlejuice closes, surprising nuns of people. They'll move into the theater for previews beginning on September 9th with an opening night of October 15th. Assuming everything stays in place as planned, I can't imagine it won't, though. They've uh, they've made it pretty clear what they've what they're aiming to do. All right. So uh, next up in the news, Miguel Cervantes to play the title role in Hamilton on Broadway. 
Yeah, Miguel Cervantes, who just wrapped up the title role in the As of Sunday closed Chicago production of Hamilton, will take over the role full-time in New York. Cervantes will return to the Broadway company to play Alexander Hamilton, (laughs) taking the reins from Ryan Vasquez, who currently assumes the role. Cervantes originally played as an alternate in the Broadway cast before heading to Chicago's CIBC Theater in September 2016. His start date at the Richard Rogers Theater has yet to be announced. We talked a little bit about Hamilton closing up shop in Chicago Mm -hmm. and allegedly moving to L.A., but keeping most of the Chicago company. Looks like that production will need to find a new Hamilton, if so now, but looking forward to having him back on Broadway. Uh, Hopefully I can take out alone and see him too i wonder if uh you know how after a few years of jersey boys they had all the all the different uh jersey boys would get together Mm, and do things together you could get all the uh hamiltons together to do various uh concerts at least put on a 54 below show yeah exactly that'd be a lot of fun have lynn and um javier and michael louie Uh, Luay and uh, Cervantes and Ryan Vasquez. Some of the the Broadway ones. I've seen three of five, so got to catch them all. All right. What do we have in the recommendation section? Yeah, one thing to check out at some point during your day, we're big fans of the Ensemblist over here, and yesterday they released their second annual Ones to Watch list, which features four Broadway ensemble members, including Susie Carroll, who's been in Mean Girls and The Prom, Aladdin's, Olivia Donaldson, Hades Towns, John Krause, and Beetlejuice's Mateo Melendez. The group was celebrated with a photo shoot, and they'll have pieces written up about them over this coming week. The whole point behind the list is the Ensemblist has their yearly awards, but this list is specifically to focus on up-and-coming talent of the Ensemble, which is already pretty overlooked. Uh, Talent who you should definitely know. Certainly can't argue with that one. All right. And what do we have in other news? All right, Uh, a couple of news items to wrap up your day. Kara Young, who just wrapped up her run in the world premiere of Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven, or Hell if you're mad. Hell, Hell and Heaven. (laughs) All of it, is now set to star in the upcoming world premiere of C.A. Johnson's All the Natalie Portmans. Directed by Kate Horeski, the new coming-of-age comedy play follows 16-year-old Kayona, who is, quote, too smart, too gay, and too lonely to fit in. Relatable. And and she as she escapes into the imagined worlds of her muse, Natalie Portman. The cast will also feature Montego Glover, Joshua Boone, Elise Kibler, and Renika Williams. Performances will begin at MCC Theater's Robert W. Wilson Theater Space on February 6th, ahead of a February 24th opening. Uh, Carrie Young was incredible and in halfway bitches, so extremely looking forward to seeing and likely writing about this one. And finally, James, heading to the rumor mill, but also something Matt has certainly teased on the show many times before. Reported by Philip Boroff at Broadway Journal, the producers of Sing Street, currently in a developmental production at New York Theatre Workshop, are in talks to transfer their musical into the Lyceum Theatre this spring, just ahead of the Tony Award cutoff. 
According to the report and papers that were distributed to investors in the fall, the show is capitalized at $11 million with weekly running costs of 490000 meaning it could recoup in a year at just 757000 per week. To me, seems like a big asking price at the Lyceum, given its recent string of shows. But if the show is a success with great word of mouth, definitely doable. The New York Theatre Workshop production is running until January 26th. So, supposing that happens, James, I mean, the word of mouth reviews I've heard have been pretty good. I haven't gotten to see it yet. I'm assuming you guys talked about it on this week on Broadway at some point, though. Uh, what was the consensus there? Um, Jenna Tessa Fox talked about it uh, this uh, past Sunday, uh, and she enjoyed it, and she's looking forward to seeing it again. She said they definitely uh, have a few things to work out, but not, not, not insurmountable problems. All right, yeah. So, I mean, it's developmental and yeah. off-Broadway right now. So, anyway, so, of course, they'll have changes to make regardless. Mm-hmm. If it hits the Tony cutoff, though, it'll have to go against shows like Moulin Rouge and Jagged Little Pill, Six, Tina, several others, Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm simultaneously surprised and unsurprised by the rush here, I guess. Yeah, that's a very good point. So, or maybe they're just not concerned about the award i i mean maybe maybe i it's the thing of that is in theory winning awards should bring more people in Mm -hmm. so if they're looking at what did i say seven hundred fifty-seven thousand per week they're gonna need as many people in the lyceum as possible so if they're not concerned about awards but also hoping to get that amount uh I'm not sure about that. It's it's interesting. I, I unless they're just really enthused to get this show out there as soon as possible. Yeah. But I mean, thinking of the uh, other runs that we've had at New York Theater Workshop that have made it to Broadway in recent years, like everything good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm I'm excited to see it, but also I, I could. I would think it could stand to wait a couple months, especially with this run of shows that it will have to go up against if they are pulling for awards. Well, if they raise the ticket price uh, for Sing Street to $757,000 a ticket, you just <laughs> you have, to, have sell to sell one, one ticket a week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See? See? Should be a producer. Oh, problem solver. You're That's the next Scott Rudin. That's right. All right. Why don't you get us out of here? <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Be sure to head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio or broadwayradio.com slash patreon to back us if you haven't already. Also head over to your podcasting platform of choice to leave us a review if you're so inclined. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This Is Ashley. And my name is James Marino from broadwayradio.com and broadwaystars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us, and uh, Matt and Ashley will be back and talk to you tomorrow.